stories from around the corner and around the country. You're listening to All the Best. Proudly supported by the Art Gallery of New South Wales. You're listening to All the Best from FBI Radio 94.5. I'm Madhura Prakash. Before we get into this week's stories, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge that I'm recording from stolen Gadigal land and pay my respect to Gadigal elders past and present and also recognize that the area where FBI Radio is situated, Redfern, has long been a place of storytelling, strength, resistance and resilience for First Nations communities. Food warms bellies, embodies memories and helps to generate some great stories. First up, Shavika Gupta, our resident food expert here at FBI Radio, tells us about one of her all-time favourite culinary delights. So hi, my name is Shivika Gupta. I am currently a segment host on Up For It. Every Wednesday morning I present a segment called Snack Time with Anne Ding. So recently, I would say for the past five or six years, I've been quite involved in like food writing and documentation. I have an Instagram account called The Hungry Sprouts where I uh, document various places to eat around Sydney, more community-focused restaurants and food businesses, um, but from the lens of a vegetarian eater. Um, But I haven't always been that interested in food. Growing up, I actually uh, was severely allergic to dairy and eggs. And on top of being a vegetarian, that made me a default vegan um, in the days where veganism really was not cool. I have one distinct memory of a family holiday that I took to Egypt So we went, you know, to visit the amazing historical temples and the pyramids, of course. And I just have this really strong memory of when we went to Cairo as a family of vegetarians. It's quite difficult for us to find food um, when we're traveling, or at least at that time, but without Google Maps and without like apps to help you out, to tell you where to go. Like we just really hit the ground running with no idea of what we're going to be experiencing. And we're just walking along the street and we heard um, there was like a lot of commotion in this one corner and it was like this big building and people were kind of streaming in and out and we were like, okay, let's check this out. What is it? We walk in, it's this huge like mess, like a, a whole and it was like people were cooking over these big vats. There were lots of like shouting and lots of people like queuing up. And we were trying to figure out what was happening. And they were actually selling a dish called koshery, which is Egypt's national dish. Uh, so koshery consists of many layers and it's probably something that everyone listening has in their pantry. So it's uh, a bed of pasta, often it's macaroni or like kind of like a tubular shape, like smaller pasta. Then you have some chickpeas. Um, and then you have this like very vinegary, cuminy tomato sauce. Below the tomato sauce, you'd also have some brown lentils. And then it's all topped off with the most delicious part in my eyes, the fried shallots or like fried onions. And you have to cook them fresh because they just have so much more flavor. And yeah, it just all of that together, it was crunchy so comforting with the carbs and then but also quite healthy because you've got some lentils various types of lentils in there um so just satiating and delicious and it was this incredible memory that stays with me where we went there night and night again night after night because it was just such a 
new flavor to us. And it was this awesome experience of getting to experience a different culture. And yeah, when I came back to Australia, I remember I had always longed for this dish called koshri. But if you're very familiar with Sydney's restaurant scene, you might be aware that there aren't really, there's not much representation of Egyptian cuisine in Sydney. Um, so I just thought it was like this memory that I'd made up that I'd had this delicious dish. But I was lucky that in high school, there was a girl um, in my grade who was uh, a Coptic Christian from Egypt. And so and she then came to me a few weeks later and was like, the aunties at my church are making some koshery. Do you want in? And I was like, absolutely. So I met uh, her by her locker, which was really close to my locker. And then we like exchanged koshery and it was amazing. <laughs> that was Shavika Gupta. Tune in to Snack Time on Wednesday mornings and follow her Instagram handle, The Hungry Sprouts, for more food inspiration. Up next, we're bringing you another feature from our partnership with the podcast, 177 Nations of Tasmania. This story belongs to Patricia. She enthusiastically recollects her childhood growing up in Paraguay and the influence of food and cooking in her life before moving to Chile and eventually Tasmania. I'm Patricia and I come from Paraguay. This is a, a small little country located in the hearts of South America, near Brazil, Argentina, Uruguay, and Bolivia. We speak Spanish and Guarani as a language. Guarani is one of the, the language of the indigenous people. More than the 70% of the population speak the indigenous Indian. If you learn Spanish to go to Paraguay, you will be very in trouble. Everyone, yes, is speaking both. Uh, which is very hard for people, even for Latinos, to understand. But it's beautiful and it's romantic and it's kind of singing. So I left Paraguay when I was 10. Then living in Chile, I couldn't speak anymore. But as soon as I go back home, I can, I can speak back. I recently read an article that anyone could speak Guarani because it was a like, very low-class idiom. So the dictator at that time didn't want to us to speak our language. But the speak was resilient. And the Waranese and the indigenous was just keep teaching in the school, hiding from the, from the dictator. And it survived. And nowadays, yes, we are probably, we can say, yeah, we can speak Warani. I was living in Asuncion, and it's the city, but for being a city, it was very rural. I can tell you I a, was a very friendly girl, very wild. I'm a wild girl. I'm like savage. And I never wear shoes. I was loving climbing trees, mango trees, to take the most juicy and yellow and sweet mango from the very top of the tree, which was very big. You know how big they are, mango trees? They are huge. So I was loving sitting down there and some time relaxing and I have some insects passing for my body and it was my, my toys. I, just, I didn't have much toys. I didn't have much work to play with. So I was playing with insects or ants or kind of flowers, bees. These were my toys. <laughs> Between my family and friends, we were like 40 kids in the street playing without shoes, 40 degrees. Mm. Some time was raining and we were so excited 
waiting for the rain oh, to man, run away and feel the rain in our bodies the and street, then we go and we know all each other like, when like, i come like back it's still the same people okay same people in same house and my generation people they're also all married but they live around as well <laughs> yeah. when i come back it's like never happened other beautiful moment i remember is I love chipas. So chipas is the bread, the national bread from Paraguay. Chipa, chipa in Guarani means bread, but our bread is based of, mm -hmm. and, and cassava, a mix of them because it's what we had and we produce. And it's like the potatoes here. And this women, beautiful, long neck, wearing a bucket in the head, walking with the head, not holding it, like modeling, but full of chipas on the top. Never used to have a pantry like here. Pantry was not a, an option. You go, you went and buy what you were going to eat every day in the shop. Mm -hmm. Fresh bread, fresh beef. And actually, you didn't want to buy the beef. The beef and the milk and the cheese and the bread, they were selling door by door every day by someone. Okay. Yes, all fresh because we did not have the refrigeration. The neighbor uh, on the right of my home, was he, he was selling... For example, charcoal, and the other was selling ice or drinks, like soft drinks. And that time was Coca-Cola, of course. Every time I needed to go and buy ice to the neighbor or the charcoal for the wood stove. My auntie, she was selling apple in the street, home by home. Two baskets, one with apple, the other with herbs. My granny was selling the herbs for the mate tea. My granny was an herbalist. He was a single mom as well, with 13 children. Wow. And she bought a house just from selling um, these herbs. And she never moved from her place until she died. When we grew up, we didn't have kitchen. So we have a fire stove outside? No, inside the house. Woke up 5 a.m., light the fire on little windows open and we cook used to cook there the first thing we did in the morning was our mate this is a very social drink we got in south america based on herbs from a tree it's a tree and you pour this in a cup with a what is yeah. it a bombilla i don't know the name it's, it's like a straw isn't it but not quite yes the same. but the, the straw had a colander in the, in the bottom so oh, you okay. don't drink the herbs and it's like, it's a filter to not take, drink all the leaves. And tastes like green tea, but it's not green tea, it's mate. Also the memories with my grandma and my mom. And we were at that time five sisters. My, my mom was a single mom because my dad left when I was one. So she was a hard worker and the main time for the same reason, she, she, we must learn how to cook and how to do all the homework by ourselves. We were all useful in, in the house. No one was just playing and sleeping. No, we all got responsibilities to do. And all this time before I went to school, I was learning how to cook mm -hmm. and the traditional food from my country because we got a heritage gastronomy from generations. So my granny's mom, my granny to my mom, my mom to me, and I teach all my nephews how to cook and 
I've been doing cooking class for them as well that they can mm-hmm. know. I don't have kids yet, but yeah, for sure my kids will be very good for eating and cooking. Like <laughs> me. <laughs> I left Paraguay when I was 10. My childhood a little bit hard because Chilean kids were so rude to me, asking me many things about my indigenous uh, roots, and they didn't understand what an indigenous is. Like, I was with, I, ho- I got hair everywhere. I was kid. I didn't wax my legs. I was a young kid, and so they always were, like, kind of joking on it. I needed to be strong. Well, living without my mom, living with my dad, and then being in Chile, well, that was a hard part. And Chilean kids also, yeah, they didn't respect much. They they were very unrespectful. Then I never make a friend in the, in the school at that time. I don't have friends from that time. But in the other stage of my life, yeah, I did have fun in the school, in the secondary school. And then I was a teenager. I was feeling changing to be a woman, more mature, and I really, really hold all this, like, sadness with exercise, always. Doesn't matter what the problem was, exercise was my big, my saver. So if with all this pressure of being without your mom, little, living in a country, like, the kids were, like, rude or asking things that I didn't want to hear... The only that saved me was doing exercise, team sport. So I played soccer, played basketball. So I watched all the sport I was in the school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then outside in the afternoon, I was training for basketball as well. And then I changed to soccer with my sister, which I still play in soccer today. I'm 37. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my sister is 30 and she's playing in Austria. She's playing professional soccer and he's... Her son is professional, hired recently by the Red Bull. <laughs> In the school, I was lucky. Um, my school was a good school that I learned something technique before I started the university. So before I started the university, my family is a world class and my dad couldn't pay me the university. Also, the school not. So I was working in the school, in the senior school, selling bread in the morning for for the breakfast, and selling like this ice ice cream, but homemade ice cream from the fruits of the season. Chile also got many cherries and blueberries. So I went to the market and bought the very bad one, like the one they are going to drop and asking, hey, could you please give me them or selling me what you are not going to use? And they give to me and then I put them in a bag, mixed with water, a little bit of sugar in a bag, plastic bag, and then selling the other day in the school in a polystyrene polystyrene box that they can keep cold for the first, like, pausa. So with this money, I always had incomes. I did not live with my dad anymore at that time. We we moved, we we moved with my sister. We were 13, 15, 17, and we did this um just working and paying the school and doing exercise, being responsible like mom teach us. Everyone look after everyone and yeah, we were very lucky with having pe- beautiful people around us helping us always and my mom always taught us how to work so 
how to cook and how to do things. We we never like we need someone or rely on someone that they do things for us. So I started selling bread, ham and cheese, the ice cream, and then chocolates, like what just you having when you are studying, like something to eat. And then I started working in one of the big market there. And my 14th was, was selling socks and drinks and computer. And then I well, like I, I escalate my levels. And with that money, I reinvest. And I was selling in the school and I have saving to bring my mom back to us because my mom wasn't with us. And we did it. And that was the most beautiful day I could, we could have in our teenager time, having mom back in Chile. She never yeah. been in Chile. She was dreaming. She was always thinking this song, si vas para Chile. If you go to Chile, I please you to, to pass through this little home near the mountain, because Chile had a mountain. Mm -hmm. She loved this song. She always was singing. Business administration. I studied for two years in the school. With this, I went to a big company, uh, like at the bus company in Santiago, and then I did my practice. When I finished my practice, I had the saving, I went to Mexico. And I went to Mexico, uh, met people, and this beautiful family host me. And I, I stayed for one year and I was loving the food. I learned a lot of uh, how to make tacos because the family who I was living there, they used to, um, they have a taco shop in the street. It was so challenging. Plus I didn't, never eat chili, chili before. At that okay. time I didn't have a spicy. I don't I didn't like a spicy. My gosh, I needed to learn how to eat a spicy. I cried my food, my first jalapeno. But yes, I cried with my first jalapeno. After school, came back to pick my mom from Paraguay. She was a little bit sick. Come back to Chile and I started working in a bank. And this bank gave me this job, gave me the opportunity to go to the university for a short degree of um, international trade and business because I was loving all about globalization and being with other people and other cultures. And I learned there, I learned how to import and export goods. And I become very good, a very good professional. Starting for a very, very basic job. And I was, before I came here, I reached my level of career that I wanted. I was traveling from Europe with the job. I, I earned tickets. I earned a lot of benefits with it. This was a beautiful career. I come to Australia because I met an Australian in Chile when I was working. My best German friend was a friend of my today husband and they were playing tennis and my friend introduced, uh, told me one day, hey, I got this ticket for like fall festival, Lollapalooza in Chile. And I said, like, what is this? Like a good festival. Okay, let's go. And I went with my mate tea. And I went <laughs> entering in the in the door of the festival and the guys look at me and say, what is inside? And I show them the herbs, the lemon, the ice. They say, would you like some, please try, this is my medicine. So please let me enter. And they let me enter with my mate. <laughs> 
with my thermo with cold water and my mate. And Tim was very proud of it. Like my husband, he said, oh my God, you surprised me. You got mate. I love mate. He was just driving from Santiago to Mendoza to buy mate, to drink Argentina mate. Yerba, yerba mate, the tea. So I met them this day and we were friends for a a year. And then we started dating. And then he told me, look, I need to go back to Australia. And I need to do my stuff. We like to give up. You a try, and if you don't like, you can come back. Let's see how we go. And yes, we we manage like we have fun. We we love each other. Sometimes it's hard culturally. It's hard to date an Australian because we South American Latinos are more invasive. <laughs> we need more attention. We need more calls. We need more cuddles. I was living in Canberra, and I was working there. No, I was studying English. So I I went. It was very hard for me the first three months because I didn't have working visa. My husband was working and I did not speak English. I speak a little bit with logistics, but I knew logistic work, no social work. I knew about documents, and but I didn't know about vocabulary of like for day like day vocabulary, normal, ordinary, in the street. And I went <laughs> every day walking around to see the kangaroos and learning English. I did not talk to any Latinos for one year. I said, okay, I was in home. I never went, I, I never did that. I was always working from 9 a.m., 8 a.m., to 7 p.m. every day, all my life, yeah. working, working, working. So it was so hard for me to yeah. to handle this. It was giving me depression. And being here was my dream, but it was so hard. And my husband friend were always more from his work. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about these things that I didn't understand. Plus in English, less understand. <laughs> So I started going for dancing, social dancing, salsa, and started meeting other people from other cultures. And I met people there. And I was desperate one day when they gave me the visa to work. I went to the coffee shop in Canberra. I asked this guy, hey, how are you? I just finished my English course. Look, this is my document. And I really love this coffee shop. Can I work here? <laughs> and then, look, I know how to cook and I know how to do this. Like, he told me, what's your name? And he told me, mm, like, I got, I don't need people to work because I was full the shop. And I was having a big hope this guy is going to give me work. It's a place I I, I love to eat, have my coffee and my first salsa roll from Australia and my first spinach roll. And he told me, mm, but uh, please, I will like pay me like very little, impo- like doesn't doesn't matter. Please, I want to work. I really want to. Work. I'm getting sick. I'm getting crazy. You know, I need to throw away this energy, please. And then he he told me he was going to think about. And then he called me the next day. I said, oh, let's give you a trial, mm-hmm. if we like each other. And oof, was hard <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because it was at the university. So the thing about Asian learning English asking me for coffee or sausage roll. I couldn't understand myself. 
think about them. Like I could understand anything, but slowly with passion, every day working, every day learning English, every day putting attention in new words, I started challenging myself and started working the front coffee. And then I was working very close to the chef and it's like he was sending me to do the hard work and very, I was very fast. Actually, he called me, when I left, he called me, told me he could never find someone that fast. I came here in Tasmania because my parents-in-law lived here. And when we were landing, and I saw this beautiful, colorful, green island, like my little Asuncion, Paraguay, and said, oh my God, Tim, what are we doing in Canberra? <laughs> Because I really want to live here, I will stay here, and then you go back to Canberra, I will live with your dad. No, we were joking, like, please, and then he went and he checked in the, some job opportunity, and he got a very good job. We moved here, and this is where how we started our life, in this beautiful island that I love. That this is when I started working, right here, I started working in logistics, and I feel I wasn't, I didn't connect with my, my career, I feel something was missing. My English maybe wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to hard to to work in in this. I was I love logistics. This is logistics. Is, I think a very hard work because mm -hmm. it's always urgent and people needs everything. People want everything urgent and you need to move container. You need to talk to people everywhere. You need to solve problems. Tasmania is very difficult because they got biosecurity. It's a word that I really love. And I just have this aside because I quit this to start my own business with food, the, my other passion and love. Yeah. <laughs> and I say, oh, I don't want to, to work here anymore. I just don't feel like, that happy anymore. And say, okay, thank you for everything. Bye. And my own boss said me, oh, look, this is a food truck for sale. And I saw the food truck. I saw the price. I told my husband, yes, I'm going to buy a food truck. <laughs> what? Like Triavana. You know where it's Triavana. Um, it sounds like clothes. <laughs> 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 and then it's, no, it's not clothes. And I Google it. Oh, true. <laughs> Yes, and I bought a food truck and sander it all. It looked perfect for the inspection and took me like four months to repair it. I did the business dream of my mom, the empanadas. Mm -hmm. And I started cooking empanadas and I never did a, this scale of selling. I always cook empanadas for my family, friends. But then cooking empanadas in this massive amount, one by one, like with the pastry by hand. Oof, I was so fit. I, I said, okay, I want to open. And I was cooking and cooking. And my husband said, what if you don't sell all you are cooking? You are cooking too much, you know, Australian realistic, put you on earth. And I told him, what about if you don't say anything and just, just help me and I start doing empanadas because I'm going to sell everything. I feel it in my, here in my stomach, I feel it. You know, the butterfly moving of adrenaline, of happiness. I'm going, like, it's going to happen. I feel it, I feel it. I so loud in one and a half hours. I was so tired. I was so loud for, I cooked for two days. I so loud in one and a half hours. People 
really love it. I this year after realizing my dream, I'm ready to go for big events with the same quality and the same love. If you go to Paraguay, don't be don't be scared about people that is very kind and they will love you like from one second to to other. Just get it with your heart and the first thing you are going to have is a chipa at the airport when you arrive and then go to this market and have all the food, a little bit of a little. Bori bori, mandio chiruru, sopa wasu, chipa wasu, this spice from from Paraguay. And of course, overall, have a street burger and lomito and have uh, a street hot dog and you will eat empanadas everywhere. That story was from 177 Nations of Tasmania, a podcast by Mark Thompson. All the best would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we make these stories and pay our respects to elders past and present. All the best is made at FBI Radio on Gadigal land in association with SIN and 3RRR on Wurundjeri Woiwurrung and Boonwurrung lands and 8CCC on Arunde and Waramungu lands. The All the Best editorial producer is Mel Bakewell and Phoebe Adler-Ryan is our executive producer. Our social media producer is Isabella Lee and our social media assistant is Seth Emmerich. Patrick McKenzie is our community coordinator and Janae Madden is our content assistant. Shining Bird composed our theme music and Annie Hamilton designed the artwork. We're heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network and were made possible by the Art Gallery of New South Wales and the Community Broadcasting Foundation. You can find our full archive of more than 500 episodes at allthebestradio.com. I'm Madhura Prakash. Thanks for listening.